This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.Church forward slash south. Well, today on the podcast, we lost one, but we gained three. So three for the price of one. What that means, we lost Dave, but we gained Gabe Zapata, Nick Rowan, and Chuck Stedham. Guys, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to be here. Me as well. Be obligatory. Glad to be here. Now, what few people might not know is that today, December 8th, 2020, is Chuck Stedham's birthday. And Chuck has, I mean, on the podcast, uh, two of his disciples. So my random question is for Gabe and Nick, what are what is a favorite memory of Chuck? What comes to mind? Well, just to set the lesson straight before you guys roast me, um, my birthday is actually tomorrow, December 9th. So... But I've already got. I'll just let's just re-record that. Today, December 9th, twenty twenty, is Chuck Stedham's birthday. There is that. Is that better? If my mother saw this, she would be upset. Well, that's. It's probably good she can't see. I'm, I'm kind of in my pajamas, so good thing we're just listening to this. Gabe, Nick, what memories do you have on the eve of Chuck's monumentous day? There's too many to recount, um, but probably the ones that come to mind uh, are um, <clears throat> in and around our trip that we took to Myanmar in 2013. Um, just watching Chuck take charge and um, play tour guide around the country and then also just interact with all the, the brothers uh, over there as we taught theology of worship and um, <clears throat> some different theology things and music theory and things like that. Uh, it was a joy to be with Chuck in that environment. He is in his element in that global, global environment. So those, those are always the tops. Yeah, I would echo uh, what Nick said. There's, uh, uh, um, there's like way too many choices. Um, and there are a couple that um, would be better, uh, you know, talked about in, uh, you know, in not this context, but um, <laughs> it's good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, but uh, I would say I, I uh, just I have to interject, Gabe. Just just come on, just just a little gl- like a little glimpse. A little glimpse. Okay. Um, well, I guess you could cut this out if it if it's not proper. But um, <laughs> when we were in Ireland uh, last summer, was that last summer? I don't remember. Um, we let's 15 see. summers ago. It is yeah, 2020. Like yeah. Uh, Rebecca, my wife and I and and Chuck, we all went out uh, to one night uh, in Belfast. Uh, we were trying to find a pub. And um, I remember we entered one pub and um, there was this woman outside of the pub who was uh, maybe she had a little too much to drink and um she wanted to just dance with any random person that just walked by. And of course she, she wanted to dance with me, but I, I said, no, no, thank you. Walked in. And then we walked out because it was just way too loud. Uh, the music was way too loud. So we walked out and uh, of course she wanted to dance with, with uh, me again. I said, no, but then, uh, you know, of Chuck course said, she wanted to dance with you. 
Gabe. No, she was willing to dance with anyone. Oh, okay. So she, she, uh, then she, she asked Chuck if, uh, you know, uh, he could, she could dance with him. And sure enough, uh, all of a sudden, I just saw him put out his hand, grabbed her, her hand, and then twirled her around. And then she, she got really excited. And then he's like, that's enough. And then he walked away. So that, that's, uh, that's one story. So. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, for my part, I have so many memories with Chuck. Um, but I do remember um, Chuck dancing the whip and the nene on a median in downtown Dublin, which I have a video recording of that will remain in my possession for all of time. Chuck, just remember who shared what memories. <laughs> 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 I will remember. <laughs> All right. On that note, brothers, we've invited Chuck, Gabe, and Nick to come and for this podcast and for the next one, talk a little bit uh, about worship. So we uh, we are embarrassed by the amount of riches we have at Bethlehem in our worship uh, pastors and staff. And so just to start out our time, Brothers, how would we define what what is worship? If you're going to put a a definition on worship, what what is it? Well, I'll tee it up for these guys because uh, we we've spent hours talking about actually what is worship. I think the thing to remember is that we are created as worshiping beings. We worship all the time. We worship continuously. Uh, one of my mentors, uh, Harold Best, wrote a book called Unceasing Worship. Uh, and his point is just simply, we worship all the time. The question is, what do we worship? And, and that's really the essence of, of worship is, um, or the opposite maybe uh, of worship, or, or the counterfeit to worship is idolatry. So what is the center of your affections? What is the center of your desires, um, your uh, joy? We talk about at Bethlehem, where is your joy? And um, so right out of the chute, uh, we are worshiping all the time and it just becomes what is the focus or center of our worship. So when you ask what is Christian worship, well, but I haven't asked that yet, Chuck. Oh. oh, good try. Jumping ahead of my outline. The casual listener of this podcast may think this is completely off the cuff. But on occasion, we do plan some things out. On occasion. So that little peek behind the veil. Just Gabe, Nick, anything you'd want to riff on what, what Chuck said there about the definition of worship, worship, <laughs> idolatry. Uh, yeah, I can add on a little bit. Um Everyone is worshiping all the time, like Chuck said. And for me, I'm always thinking about worship as a, a response of the heart. Um, <clears throat> and it's responding to some type of revealed glory. So something is revealed um, and our hearts respond to that revelation um, in, in worship with affection. Um, and that's just a natural response of the heart. And so I just, I always remember um, back when I was in college, I was skiing out west on a big mountain and uh, 
some of my friends and I thought it would be fun to take a video camera around to just ask people, hey, do you go to church? Are you a Christian? What do you think about Jesus? Things like that. <clears throat> um, and so we asked this one guy at the base of the ski lift, hey, do you go to church? And his immediate response, he didn't even think about it, was absolutely, this mountain is my church and I go to worship every day. And what he was saying is that the mountain had revealed glory to him um, and his heart was responding in worship uh, to, that, to that glory. Um, and, and obviously as Christians, uh, we would say that that, that worship is misplaced, um, but that's, that's the essence of what, what worship is. It's a response of the heart to some sort of revealed glory. Good. Gabe. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Um, I would just add, um, uh, that worship is, uh, a lot of the times we tend to think of worship as something that you do, you know, like going to church, singing, serving, uh, giving, and all those things and all those things are expressions of worship and maybe we'll talk about that later but uh, worship is also something uh it it also has to do with who you are and uh this is i'm thinking of someone like james smith who says you are what you love um which really he's getting that from saint augustine who is um basically talks about um uh you know what you love is basically uh what you worship and of course, Jesus talks about that too, where your um, treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so um, whatever it is that you, that you gravitate towards, um, that is what you love. That is what you worship. Yeah. So that series that Gabe just briefly referenced there is James K.A. Smith's Cultural Liturgy series, which is uh, just an interesting series of books that have come out in the last few years talking about how um, you know, what habits that we have form us in particular directions, specifically thinking about in his context, he's a professor at a Christian university, how habits of the university form students, but also extending into how worship, how uh, churches worship and how that shapes the worshipers. So on that note, just jump in here, guys. So we talked, so I think safe to say, you can imply that the definition then of Christian worship is worship that placed Christ at the, the center of our affections. How else would you, you know, what else would you add to that? So what makes Christian worship unique? If we're all worshiping beings, every single one of us, what makes Christian worship unique? I think the thing that you already mentioned that the, um, the thing that makes Christian worship unique is that the object of the of our affections is Christ. And what always comes to my mind with Christian worship is that it's a miracle. It's a work of the spirit in us. Um, our hearts are idol factories. That's what Martin Luther says. And um, is Luther or Calvin? I can't remember. Calvin. Um, <clears throat> and so even though that's a natural response, our hearts are not going to choose to worship Christ um, without the, the work of the spirit um, in us. And, and so one of the main ways that that happens is the revealed glory of God and the revealed glory of Christ in the word. And so we take the word of God very seriously in Christian worship because that's where God is revealed to us. We see his glories. We see his character. We see who he is and his work that he's done for us in Christ. Um, and the spirit uses that, that revealed glory, um, to open our eyes and to reveal Christ to our hearts for who he is. Um, and so Christian worship is, is the worship of Christ that is revealed to us, um, through the word 
and and so we try to center the word and we try to center Christ um, in Christian Christian worship as often as we can. Amen to that. And and it is first and foremost a work of God. Um, that's what we, unless He opens our eyes, uh, we are we are unable to get to Him on our own terms in our own way. And so in that sense, it very much is a work of grace in our hearts that he opens our spiritual eyes. And we, like Isaiah, can all of a sudden see the throne room of heaven, the, his glory, the train of his robe, all of those kinds of things. And we are overwhelmed with that glory. And uh, so very much um, we talk about just the whole idea of do we seek God or does God seek us? And scripture talks about both of those texts, but the reality is there's a very particular order to that. And that is that God first awakens our hearts, grants us uh, regeneration, faith, and the ability to see and hear, and then we respond. Um, so, um, he is the center and he is the means by which we, we do that. Yeah. I would just, um, I amen all of that. I, I would just add that, uh, Christian worship, what makes Christian worship distinct from anything else is that it's uh, Trinitarian. Um, and, uh, that is that God is uh, father, son, and Holy spirit. And, um, he is the, uh, this uh, tri-personal God is the object of our worship. Um, we cannot worship God um, apart from the three members of the Trinity, um, uh, you know, uh, encircling one another uh, in the Godhead. And uh, so we worship the Father through the Son who opened the new and living way for us at the cross um, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is the one who lifts us up. Uh, Calvin talks about this. James Torrance talks about this, lifts us up um, so that we can have uh, communion, uh, the same kind of communion that the son has with the father uh, for all eternity. And he lifts us up into that communion so that we can get into the very center of the Trinitarian life. We can experience that together uh, in corporate worship. And uh, that's what that's the dynamic of, of Christian worship. Uh, I really like what Chuck said actually about uh, whether or not worship is something that God does or that we do. Ultimately, it's God coming down to us. Um, we love because, you know, he first loved us. And it's this, um, James Torrance calls it a double movement of grace, where God is the one who, he comes down to us and we respond. Um, echoing what Nick said about revelation response. So Chuck mentioned Isaiah, uh, Gabe, you just mentioned uh, Christ comes down or God comes down to us uh, on our terms before uh, there's any seeking that can even happen of him. So, and I'm just bouncing around in my head are scriptural texts, you know, even some that you just cited. Um, what are major texts that either describe the act of worship or even maybe give commands for how we, we ought to worship? Uh, as Christians, anything come to mind? What's the, what's just low hanging fruit that comes to mind? Well, the low hanging fruit that you mentioned, obviously is Isaiah chapter six. I think we start with that vision, the glory of God. And, um, and then we see in that 
being overwhelmed with that glory, uh, acknowledging our own sinfulness and fallenness, and um, and in that we we see the the provision of the blood of Christ applied, and um, and and out of that, then Isaiah is able then to really hear from the Lord and, uh, and receive a commission for the work that God called him to do. So it's, it's Isaiah six is probably, I think the most complete, uh, text that, that, um, theologians have spent time on just kind of looking at, there are others, but Isaiah six would be a place to start. Um, yeah. And then just to, to add on those, um, just a couple from the New Testament that I go to often um, when I think about Christian worship being both personal and corporate. Um, and so the personal aspect um, of worship, um, I think about Romans 12, 1 and 2, um, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Um, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and so all of life is worship and we're to present our bodies in every single area of life as worship to God. Um, worship isn't just what happens at church. It is that, um, but it's what happens when we are cooking breakfast in the morning and when we're caring for our families and when we're going to work um, and when we're driving. Um, all of these things should be um, overflows of a heart, again, um, that loves God. Um, and we're presenting ourselves in every area um, of our lives, showing that Christ is our highest affection. Um, so there's personal worship that happens in every area of life. And then there's corporate worship. So I think of Ephesians 5, uh, 18 and 19, um, where we're commanded um, after being told to be filled with the spirit, not to be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. And then it says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord. And so not only are we called to worship personally, but we're called to do it together corporately. And not only the vertical aspect of singing to God, but speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And when we do this, that's important because my worship encourages you and your worship encourages me. When we see each other worshiping and lifting our hands and singing and when we're speaking the words uh that we sing in these worship songs to one another we're we're experiencing the grace that god has for us in corporate worship um so those are a couple that i go to often from the new testament personal and corporate yeah i would just um i'm thinking right away of psalm 100 um you know one of my favorite psalms uh but the psalmist, uh, he's really, really excited, really loves God. And he says, make a joyful noise, all the earth, right? And he says, serve the Lord with gladness. So um, I, I would just say from that, um, that worship should be loud. You know, we maybe we should have a podcast called Worshiping Out Loud. Um, but, um, you know, it's just like this idea of we want the entire world to see how awesome and how beautiful Jesus is. Um, and we want it to be an amplified football stadium that fills the entire earth roaring the praises of the one who is worthy of all praise um so um i'm sure it, you know the whole idea of, of serving the lord with gladness there's definitely some emotions some right emotions that we should feel uh in our hearts 
um, which I'm sure uh, we'll talk about 